presented by Meta. Hey, good morning, playbookers. I'm Raghu Munavalan. It's Wednesday. If Kevin McCarthy isn't speaker, then who else could it be? It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. One thing we've been tracking here at Playbook is Representative Kevin McCarthy's attempt to become House Speaker. Here's a question, though. If the gavel doesn't end up with McCarthy, then who else could it possibly be? Playbook's Rachel Bade has been tracking all of this for us, and she's here to mention a few possible alternatives. Rachel, how's it going? Welcome back, by the way. Thanks, Raghu. Happy to be back. All right. uh, So just to quickly recap what happened on Tuesday, the House Republican Conference voted for McCarthy to be its leader. Uh, McCarthy won 188 to 31 against Arizona Representative Andy Biggs, who put up a challenge. So it's worth noting right there, McCarthy is going to need almost all of the 31 people that just voted against him when the vote for speaker happens in January, uh, give or take how these last couple House races go. All right. So let's start at the top. Uh, The first person you mentioned, Representative Steve Scalise. Uh, Why is he considered the first possible alternative? So Scalise has been McCarthy's right hand for the past few years. He has been uh, whip for the Republicans, the person who sort of muscles up votes uh, since 2015. So he has this sort of well-oiled operation already up and ready to go. And in the past, Scalise actually thought about briefly challenging McCarthy Mm. uh, for GOP leader a few years ago. Now, recently, he has been on McCarthy's side, saying he wouldn't run against him for speaker. But a lot of people are looking to Scalise if McCarthy falters. He's sort of this backslapping politician. He's well-liked in the conference. A lot of people think he has this inspirational story because he almost died. You'll remember back Mm -hmm. a few years ago when he was shot during a uh, congressional baseball practice. Um, And he's considered sort of more conservative than McCarthy. Mm. But one of the weaknesses Scalise has is that even his allies will tell you that they don't know that he will have uh, an easier time than McCarthy Mm. does in terms of dealing with the far right. Um, so the second person you mentioned, uh, Representative Elise Stefanik, What's, what are her strengths and weaknesses? So Stefanik is interesting in that she's almost like a unicorn in the House conference. She is a moderate Republican from New York who also happens to be the darling of MAGA world mm. and a very close Trump ally. You don't often see those two things mixing. And so in theory, people who like her and want to see her rise uh, would tell you that she has this ability be, to be a bridge between these two wings of the party that are often fighting and often colliding, and that as a woman in a conference that's very full of men, Mm -hmm. she could be a fresh voice, a fresh face. She's also a new mom like myself, (laughs) uh, and also brings in a, a fresh perspective in that regard, too. The problem, though, with Stefanik is that her close relationship with Trump also alienates some Republicans. Mm. There was actually a member who was walking into the leadership elections just yesterday, um, and he told me specifically he was going to back Elise Stefanik for for conference chair, but chose not to after he learned that she had endorsed Trump this week for president Mm. in 2024. Uh, This member said she sort of put Republicans in a bad position of having to answer about whether or not they support Trump Mm. for 2024. And that leadership shouldn't be doing that to members. Basically, this person thought it was too too much political opportunism for somebody who could be Trump's running mate in 2024. Right. I was going to say, I feel like one of the first things that a representative probably looks for in its leadership is basically building cover for them. And that seems like kind of the opposite move if you announce an endorsement even before Trump's announcement yesterday. Yeah, she she definitely was uh, angling at something there. And Trump, you'll remember, uh, he likes a loyal person, especially someone who's loyal in a a tough moment. And right now he's getting beat up on all sides. 
Uh, so here's another uh, possible alternative, Representative Jim Banks. Uh, Banks just lost his bid for majority whip yesterday. That would be the third ranking member to Representative Tom Emmer. Uh, what's his case? So Banks is an interesting character. Um, he has only been around since 2017, kind of new in terms of lawmakers. He's from Indiana, very con- conservative. Uh, but he's been very much raising his profile in, you know, almost record time. He chairs the Republican Study Committee, which is this group of uh, more than, I think, 150 conservative Republicans. Um, He has close relationships with conservative media. Um, He's used this position to, over the past couple of years, put out a bunch of talking point memos Mm. um, and sort of briefings for members, sort of showing that he has the savvy to educate the conference and provide messaging to lawmakers, which is something that people look to their leaders to do. The issue with banks, though, is that people sort of see him as stirring up a little uh, drama. Mm. Um, A lot of them are blaming banks. A lot of the Republicans in the House are blaming banks for this sort of smear that we saw recently against Tom Emmer, who was running the NRCC, the campaign arm of the House Republicans, and was running for whip against banks. Uh, This is the number three spot in the House for next year. Basically, a bunch of conservative media and Trump allies started coming after Tom Emmer because there was this blind quote in a story where somebody was um, complaining that Jim Banks was trying to get ahead in the world by hiring Tucker Carlson's son, okay. if you can stay with me for uh, yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So he he's hiring Tucker Carlson's son um, is, his, is his comms guy. And there was this blind quote criticizing him for that. Well, Tucker Carlson didn't like that and went on the air and and was really upset with with whoever did it, but specifically blamed Tom Emmer. Mm. And so a lot of Republicans didn't like this whole drama that was going on. And some of them were privately blaming Banks, mm. thinking he was stirring the pot against Emmer. So anyway, a lot of drama in that whip race. Banks ended up losing, but I put him in, at, in this list as somebody to watch because he's clearly ambitious and he's done a lot in just a few years. And I don't think we've seen the end of him yet. I think he's particularly interesting, too, because, I mean, I can't speak on his behalf, but he might want the job, you know, and it seems like from a lot of reading I've done, (laughs) no one is really exactly jumping at this position. That's exactly right. Nobody (laughs) is, at least publicly. At least publicly. Um, I mean, it's hard to, when you're running for a position like this, you almost have to be drafted. At least that was the model that Paul Ryan used Mm. uh, as the last speaker, Republican speaker. He said he didn't want the job. I don't want the job. And then when McCarthy went down, he was drafted. And so there's sort of this thought process that if you want it too much, people won't vote for you. You've got to look like, oh, I'm not interested. And then people will draft you. As for Banks, he has said he supports McCarthy, just like the rest Mm. of these members that I mentioned. Uh, Also, Patrick McHenry, Jim Jordan, a couple of others who are in playbook today as, you know, people that Republicans have talked about on the Hill. All of them are saying they support McCarthy, but, you know, it's not until something like this happens where McCarthy falters that you might see somebody else try to step forward. Playbook's Rachel Bade. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Here's what's up in Washington today. Starting with the White House. Earlier today, President Joe Biden participated in a tree planting with G20 leaders, met with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, and departed Bali, Indonesia. He's scheduled to arrive back at the White House around midnight. 
that also meet at 10 a.m., the Senate will meet at 1.45 and resume consideration of the Respect for Marriage Act. As Politico's Marianne Levine writes in today's playbook, a bipartisan Senate deal to enshrine same-sex marriage protections into federal law has convinced at least one holdout, Senator Mitt Romney. He's the fourth of 10 Republicans that Dems need to support the measure to overcome the filibuster. Where others stand, Senator Roy Blunt, the retiring number four GOP leader, said he decided but declined to say what his decision was. Retiring Senator Pat Toomey said, we'll find out tomorrow. And Senator Joni Ernst suggested she was closer to a decision but wants to speak more with her staff. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghun Munavalan. Have a good Wednesday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Some people say the metaverse will only be virtual. One day, farmers will use augmented reality to monitor the health of their soil and run irrigation simulations to help ensure the best yields. And urban planners will model traffic solutions in the metaverse to help decrease commute times, paving the way for less congested cities. The metaverse may be virtual, but the impact will be real. Learn more about what Meta is building for the metaverse at meta.com slash metaverse impact.